Or I'm not even going to mention it in confession because if I told the priest about my asparagus. Then you know all my dirty asparagus secrets and, yes. and hope that I'm, they're not around me when I pee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I say. So, um, All right, you want topics. You want to start this? Yeah, let's do this. What, Bob? <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. It is nine o'clock at night. They don't know that. They don't know that. Holy smokes! So, most of my volume is now going in the red. You're gonna have to tone this down in editing. <laughs> no, that's not a big deal. I can, as long as it's not distorted in your microphone, it should. Distortion. Be Disorder, disorder. I found this uh, um, <laughs> this neat YouTube channel. It's where they take all these either really heavy rock songs or uh, really angry songs or sad songs, and then they just change them into happy songs. Like change the words? He, no, the words are all the same, but they just play them in a, in a lighter key, and they kind of make it more poppy or whatever. They did do host. Oh, Do you yeah. know that song? It's from Rammstein. Yeah. Du hast yeah. Du. Du, da, yeah, super da, angry da. German song. Da, 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 yeah, da, da. yeah. Uh, you should look it up. It's the it's the happiest. It's way too happy to be a to be a Rammstein or that was Rammstein. Who was right? Something like that. Anyway, it's it's you know what's so funny? My musical knowledge is very, very exact or not. <laughs> It's like there's like old eighty songs like you come on and I'm like, Oh, I know that. That's Pet Shop Boys. And you're like, Oh, okay. Oh, I know that. That's the outfield. Who's the outfield? Well, that's the song. That's the song. <laughs> and then it's like, Oh, you know that song? I might like you better if we slept together. Yeah. I don't know who sings that. <laughs> but I should if I know all the other guys around that era. But yeah, yeah that that song. I would like it if they played heavy metal like that, but they did it very James Taylor, Paul Simon y oh, uh, acoustic guitar. Yeah, turn it folk. Or, yes, uh, folk rock. <laughs> folk rock. I would like that. That'd be awesome. Because I already I love the folk rock songs as heavy me- as uh, punk rock. Because I've heard folk. like the a lot of the punk covers are things like, um, what was it? Um, Kansas or whatever. It, well, there's uh, me first, and the Gimme Gimmies did a lot, and then a lot of other, a lot of other bands would do it as like, oh, this is our our one cover song, and they do like Wild World by Cat Stevens, which is like da 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 da, and they do da 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 da. And it's like that's awesome. You know, they play the song, which is about four minutes and two and a half or something. And you're right, like, of course, nice. because it's punk music with a double bass, uh-huh. uh. <laughs> double pedal. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, who did that? I'm, I'm a sucker for that. Like how you had the the punk rock Disney songs. Okay, we should have a topic. Okay, do you have a topic? I have no clue. Okay, I have a topic. Okay. Okay. So here's the thing. So I've been uh, talking to a lot of people because apparently that's my job as now. Just don't uh, touch them. Yeah, just don't touch them. So I've been talking to a lot of people. And what's really cool about this quarantine thing 
is people are really being open to talking about their faith more so than before. I don't know if it's the um, uh, the security of being in your home and most of these conversations I'm having through Zoom, you know, because there's there's that comfort level like I'm at my home or whatever, and there's this weird abstraction of you know a, a screen or whatever. But people have been like really being able to open up and talk about their struggles with faith and stuff like that or what they have issues with and things like that. Um, and I was talking with Terry Love. Um, oh, we talk holy crap. We talk about Terry's Love like the, the we need to have her on this show. <laughs> we should. I didn't even realize how when I was bringing this up. But oh, anyway, you should also anyway, ask just talk- if it's okay to talk about it like this. I probably should, but I probably won't. All right. uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, she was talking Edit about like <laughs> yeah, probably should. <laughs> she was talking about. Um, okay, so I, I asked her, you know, I, I know a, a little bit because in psychology and stuff like that, like people will, um, people will, will do hoarding things or, um, weird, uh, um, weird habits or something like that, pick up new addictions or this, this, um, like, uh, obsessive cleaning of, of something or the buying of the toilet paper or whatever it happens to be to regain a sense of control when they feel like they've lost control. Uh, and I, I asked her, I was like, um, how do people regain a sense of control or, or maybe um, feel like they have some kind of control in this mess of, of the world? And her response was, was great. She said, um, she said that I, I think that actually we should, we should practice um, – that we should come to the realization that we actually don't have control, and this is a good opportunity to um, learn to to let go of the illusion of control and learn to trust in God. Um, and I really liked that answer. And then, and then there's been this whole theme since the beginning of this of this idea of learning to trust in God and. In my own prayer life, that's been a theme since like last fall is learning to trust in God. And I realized like I'm just a person who has trust issues in general and that, that bleeds into my spiritual life. Um, and so I, I've uh, uh, noticed that that I'm being called into this this real radical trust or learning to trust, not even radical trust, just even basic learning to trust in Jesus that he's there, that God is sovereign. Um that that uh, I can I can lean on, on God and trust in Him for um, for everything that that's that that there is resurrection after crucifixion you know that um, uh, uh, that all of this stuff and um, and I found it really interesting but here's the interesting the the uh, the part that I want to get into discussion about Patrick Lencioni do you know who Patrick Lencioni is no okay. He wrote a book. He wrote several books, but he's uh, um, he used to be this uh, um, this business guy who would come into a company and help them restructure in order to make their company succeed. Yeah, like uh, the Bobs. Now, the the what? The Bobs. The Bobs. Haven't you seen uh, Office Space? I oh, I saw Office Space years ago. I just remember. The swing line stapler and the copy machine. Oh, there's the two guys. The Bobs are they're both named Bob, and they're there to oh I to that. figure okay. out the efficiency yes. of the company 
and yes. I guess to streamline it by firing a bunch of people. Yeah, that's what Pat Lencioni does, except for without the firing a bunch of people. <laughs> it was more like, okay, we need to focus. We need to uh, focus in mission, and here's the steps to do so, or whatever. Um, and then he he uh, he was Catholic, and he started doing it for Catholic churches. Um, he has this program called the Amazing Parish, or whatever, to help uh, reinvigorate parish life and all this stuff. But anyway, outside of his Catholic stuff, he wrote a book. Um, that when I, that whenever I saw it, I devoured it. I read it in like a day. Um, it's called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And the idea behind it was is this idea that um, the reason why uh, companies have huge turnover or um, have a great product but end up going under um, is because of these five dysfunctions that exist inside their team. Um, and he goes through them and in this kind of parabolic example of this supposed company that is, um, is on the verge of going under uh, and they hired a new CEO to kind of, um, kind of give new focus and mission and stuff like that and kind of do it as a last-ditch effort or as a, as a scapegoat to, um, to bring this company back to life, right? And so they go through these five dysfunctions. And whenever I'm thinking about this as, as a team, I realized that it actually applies to our faith life. Like he talks about first in, in the five dysfunctions of a team, one of the, the, the base layer, he kind of structured it as a, as a pyramid, but that foundational layer is the foundation of trust. And I realized that myself and I think a majority of people we don't have um, a, a real good trust with with God. Like we still hide um, large portions of our life from God. Uh, God was God was controlled and safe because He lived in the church. And uh, whenever I wanted to go and, and encounter God, I would go and put on my church persona and go to church. And then I'm 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 there, and God can see me at church, and the other people. Are there and all that stuff um but god doesn't see my mess he doesn't see my darkness he's not allowed to any of that stuff uh and then i heard this story of this um i was actually listening to catches catching foxes which isn't a better podcast than ours but it's still <laughs> but it's a uh, it, they were talking about this um he did a parish mission and one of the priests came up and and said hey you know um people are coming to me to confession and they're saying, like, um, I've been to confession this many times in my life, been to communion all these times, um, and I've never, ever confessed this um, because of fear of, of what it means to bring that out in the open, because this lack of trust in who God is and, who, and what God's mercy is. Um, and what I'm coming to realize is that I struggle with that, um, and I think that us as a community really struggles with that. Uh, and that's why we kind of struggle with growing, growing our faith life because we can't we can't make this foundation of trust. We can't we can't be human in front of God. You know we can't uh, we, we we can't say uh, we can't let God see our darkness. We can't let God see our sinfulness, um, and we can't embrace our sinfulness while we're at church. We have to be like, oh, I'm at church. You know, I've. I'm I'm good and holy and I never sin and all these things, um, uh, or or whatever you know. Like, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. And so, um, if we have that that 
But if we can learn to build that trust with God, it shouldn't. And so here, here is five dysfunctions. The first one is trust, um, which I think we definitely struggle with. And then that trust, once we have a level of trust, it should lead to conflict. Uh, and in a team, that's the healthy kind of conflict where you can actually debate about stuff. Have you, you, do you work with a team at, 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 at work at all or, or is it? Um, there are three of us. Okay. It's kind are you guys in charge of all the things or how does that work? I'm kind of in charge of everything. And then you're just in charge of everything. Kind of. Yeah. I'm more in charge. And then there's a lady who helps me do stuff in the office and then the guy who ships the orders and gotcha. And I kind of say, Hey, I kind of want this to go this way. You're the father. Hello, Peter. Yeah, kinda. <laughs> What's happening? That's nice. <laughs> but I'm not as micromanagey, I guess. But I really want to be. Like, I'm like, ah, <laughs> I really hate the way he puts the UPS labels on this. But I don't want to be a jerk about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we probably I'll bleep out the names. <laughs> You're the father. <laughs> uh, maybe it was father. Mm. Yeah. He's talking about. <laughs> Maybe it was. <laughs> um, so, but be, but I have worked in teams before. Yeah. yeah, right. Like you think about search or Project Genesis or uh, our own youth ministry team, right? If right. there's that, if we don't have that foundation of trust, where we feel like we are known by the other person, we're accepted by the other person, we're loved by the other person, we're all in this. Um, even if we might have higher rank, we're on the same level of dignity with each other. Uh, you know, like regardless of like if I'm in charge of the youth ministry program um, or whatever, you know, you and I have that kind of trust level, which is why whenever I have a talk that I want to do, I pass it through you because I know I'm not going to get like uh, you're not going to say, oh, yeah, that's fantastic, David. These are all really good things. And that's awesome. You're going to be like, oh, you probably shouldn't do it. Yeah, You know, this doesn't it. <laughs> And I'm like, that's that's what I'm talking about. Like your about, other you know? talk when you're like, so did you like it? I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. Too many examples from the Bible, but. <laughs> exactly. And then you're like, oh, okay. I just wasn't sure if it was getting laying on hands and oil. And I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't get any of that. <laughs> I thought it was about baptism. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's what that's what uh, that's what makes a, a, a good relationship is this. This foundation of trust, which should lead to good and healthy conflict, yes, right where where you can where you can um, debate about stuff, uh, like our episode about drugs or whatever. You, we can debate about stuff, right? Um, and that conflict uh, should lead to ultimately um, a, a commitment, you know, a commitment to the relationship or, or a a, um, a shared responsibility of some kind of way. Um, and that leads obviously to accountability because if you have this commitment and relationship, you have this shared accountability. Like you, you can call another person and say, "Hey, um, that that wasn't cool whenever you did that," or um, "Hey, where are you on this particular project you're supposed to be working on, or whatever." And then that leads ultimately to results and measurable results that you can. You know, this was his this was his whole pyramid or whatever. And so what I was playing with in my mind, and this is just me thinking about stuff, was this is, this is I think, how we can measure our relationship with God uh, and how dysfunctional is our relationship with God. You see where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. And so if we have that level of trust, if we, don't, if we don't have any conflict in our relationship with God, then we don't have any, we're absent a level of trust with God. Does that make sense? I think so. 
Because if we don't do, I mean, if we don't do anything, then it kind of is like he's not even there. Right. And we should it, it, we should come to the point where we're saying, God, I know that you ask this of me, but this doesn't make sense to me. Or that, God, I know that I'm supposed to believe this, but it's really difficult for me. God, I know I'm supposed to do this, but why? You know, yeah. or and not not just and not just like where most people are at, they're usually good with their faith because they're like, oh, you know, God's over there. I know the church says we're supposed to do this, that, and the other thing, or we're supposed to believe this, that, and the other thing, but uh, I'm just going to do this, and you know, basically they're their own pope. Does that make? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> I might have done stuff like that. <laughs> right, exactly, but but as we as we grow in that trust with God, it should really be a conflict in our lives, where 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 we are authentically debating with wrestling with God. I think about um, I think about Jacob in in um, Genesis where he's about to meet Esau. You know the story, yeah? Which one's this one? Esau. This one is uh, Jacob and Esau. So the story is that they were twins. And Jacob stole the birthright and the blessing uh, by pretending he oh, was Oh, yeah, Esau. with the furry arms? That's the one. I didn't know so he had to run I thought he was the older brother. No, he was the older brother by minutes. Oh, or gotcha, whatever. gotcha. Um, right, so whenever he stuck, he stuck out his hand or whatever, they tied the ribbon on there to know that that's the firstborn, and that was Esau, and so he was supposed to... Uh, have the blessing and the and the birthright and all that stuff. That's why they wanted to make sure who who was the person or whatever. And so um, Jacob spends years apart from Esau, and then uh, whenever he is finally going back to his home country, he knows he's going to meet his brother, and he doesn't know um, how that's going to how that encounter is going to be. Um, and he's scared, and he's struggling with um, God's promises, like. God, I have this blessing, this covenant that I'm carrying, this responsibility um, to live in this covenant, uh, to carry on the the covenant of, of my father, you know, Isaac and Abraham, and uh, and so he comes to this point where it's like the day before he's about to meet his brother Esau, and he encounters this angel, and he wrestles with this angel um, through the morning until the angel like pushes his hip out of socket or whatever, and then. Jacob um, grabs his heel, which is what the name Jacob means, usurper or heel grabber. Um, and he says, uh, and the angel says, let go of me. Um, and Jacob says, not until you bless me. And then the angel says, fine, I will give you a blessing. Today, you will no longer be known as Jacob, but you'll be known as Israel because you have wrestled with God. And that's what the name Israel means, is he had this authentic, Israel means he who struggles with God. Um, yeah, and, and he had this authentic and real, like a, a physical, tangible, <laughs> tangible wrestling with his faith, his, with, his, with what God promised him versus this pending doom that he saw before him. He thought his brother was going to kill him. Um, and I think... I think that if we don't have that in our faith life, that we actually can't grow in our faith life. If we can't struggle with God um, in our faith, we can't grow. Uh, do you see any of that? Yeah, I guess like like you're thinking of like muscles. Like if you don't kind end of. up tearing the muscle, it won't grow. If you don't struggle. Yeah, I could see that. 
Yeah, because if you don't struggle with things, you're not either thinking of new ways or looking at things. Right. Like, I feel like, I think I might have talked about this in past podcasts maybe or something like that. But it's like, I see that, like, it's when you sit there and you're doubting on certain things. And then you look more into it. Right. And that's what makes you get a stronger feel. Like the uh, listen to episode two, Magical Bags of Meat. And yes. That, that was my point when I was learning in health class on how everything works like a fine oiled machine for your body. And then you're like, oh, we're just not magical bags of meat anymore. You know, God's not just making it. There's a design. So right. it's a it's it's a perfect uh, work of nature or whatever. Or look how well it works. See everything as a place. We don't need God to a, to whatever. Oh wait, now that I started thinking about how well it works, like you said, it's a design. Right. Oh, it too now well. my faith is strengthened because of how I was. Initially thinking, well, I don't need him because look how well this is. We're not yeah. we're not going together by strings that the Lord is pulling on his like little marionettes. We're working on our own. But then you look at it and it's like all the gears and steam and stuff is because he put it there. Right. It's almost like it's been endowed with a purpose, like endowed with the ability to do all those things. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and that's exactly what got me, like, it, bringing this point up of conflict got me thinking about confirmation students. Okay. Like, those who those who are, you know, sit in class and are, like, diametrically opposed to faith. You know what I'm saying? Like, those that are there, and I'm like, that's the type of conflict that needs to be wrestled with. That needs to be, like, okay, that's great because they have a firm stance of what they believe— they have this firm, um, but they don't have this level of trust with either us or with the church or with God to be able to say, okay, um, this is all a really big problem with me, and unless somebody somebody addresses this, uh, this is all just crap, and I've shut down, and this is – you know, you see what I'm saying? And, and, and so you end up having like the kid with the headphones in, head down, or just sits there and does his biology homework or, or – you know, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, yeah, it's, and it came to a head for me um, with this student this year. Um, uh, we will change the names for the, for the safety of the families or whatever. But anyway, <laughs> this student, we'll call him Jimmy, right? <laughs> so this student, Jimmy, was super anti-faith stuff, his whole thing. And then I get the, and I kind of, um, you know, at one point I, I had, he turned in, he turned in this essay because uh, he didn't attend a thing. And so it was to make oh, up an essay for that. The, the youth rally essay? Yeah, the youth rally essay because he didn't attend it. And so um, he turns in this thing that was a, a, a cut and paste job from uh, from a couple of blogs. And B, they were atheist blogs saying basically how bad the Catholic Church is. Um, and then I, I, I talked to him about that and said, Hey, um, you know, I, I, it's cool that you're coming to classes and all, and I appreciate how respectful you are when you're in classes, but obviously like, uh, I know you don't want to receive the sacraments and this is a really good out for you either. You know, we can, we can, um, we can build on this and we can talk about this or if you want out, I mean, like the, uh, then I obviously can't accept this because it's plagiarized. Right. 
Um, I'm, I'm happy to accept something if you want to talk about your actual thoughts. Uh, let's <laughs> let's talk about those, right? But I can't take somebody else's blog because that's stupid. Did you know um, it was somebody else's blog or did you just – Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean – I could tell them the writing style oh, okay. when I read it. Yeah, when I read it, I, oh, yeah, I'm really good at that. So I, I'll, t- I'll grab the writing style and like – this sounds completely different than this piece, and so I just put it in Google or whatever, and the blog pops oh, up. Oh, it's and I'm like, computers. Oh. Yeah, I know, those internets. I know. It's yeah. opposed to when I used to plagiarize out of the Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> yeah, but kids don't have those anymore. Yeah. That doesn't exist. They wouldn't even know what that I is. I know, but that was hard, and you yeah. had to write it down word for word. And, like, <laughs> i got to change some of these just in case the teacher seen this before. Isaac Nude is... <laughs> So, but here's the kicker, right? I, I, um, after this conversation I had with this kid, we went into quarantine and I just assumed like, okay, we're done. Like I, I, I assumed that he was, he was done with the church. He never, you know, uh, attempted to contact me about, um, wanting to redo the essay. Uh, he never emailed a new one. Even though I asked him to by such and such date or whatever. And then, um, and then whenever the Bishop letters came due, he sent one in. He sent one in, and it was well-written, and he asked to receive the sacrament from Bishop. And I'm like, his mom had to have write this. You know, There's no way this kid wrote this letter asking to receive the sacrament of confirmation. So I contact his mom and say, hey, because I didn't, you know, obviously I don't have, like, you know, kids' kids phone number or whatever. So I contact his mom. Of course say, you don't. I was in the impression, of course. Uh, I was in the impression that Jimmy didn't want to receive the sacraments this year, and yet I received a letter that, to the contrary. And, of course, mom freaks out. Like, <laughs> because moms do the, those kinds of things. And um, and she's like, oh, you know, he'll, he'll rewrite the essay or whatever. And so I end up getting in a conversation with this kid. And he writes the essay that I originally had asked for, this one of him um, just laying out all the crap that he has with against the church. Right? And so he writes this essay about how the church is this, that, and the other thing. Um, and then I'm like, then why did you write a, a letter to Bishop asking to receive the sacraments? And he says, well, I still believe in God. And I still believe that um, that God is present in the sacraments. I don't necessarily understand all that stuff. Wow. Um, I know, right? <laughs> and so so, uh, so I, I, um, I, I get a chance to talk with him. And I'm like, and I'm like so you believe in God. You believe that he's present and works in the sacraments in some kind of way, but you have disdain, disgust, and just in a a, uh, distaste for um, actions of people in the church, past, present, and probably future, right? Is that fair to say? (laughs) And he's like, yeah, and I'm like, that makes you a good Catholic, dude. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't, you, it's the, the people in the church. Do not make up um, the the spotless like the the thieves that that are present or the weeds that are growing with the wheat of the church are not the identity of the bride of Christ. You don't blame the um, uh, the those who have crashed the wedding party. Uh, you don't br- you don't br- blame the bride for their presence and how, and how they ruined the party, right? And um, and so with that nuanced position, he's like, okay. Okay, then I think I can. I think I can call myself a Catholic, and I'm said, well, then I think you can receive the sacraments, and so, and that was a conflict that um, he would not have had had he had been too afraid to um, have that have that battle. You know, he wouldn't have come to a realization of a, of a nuanced position that he could hold had he not had that battle. And I think, 
I think we have a lot of that stuff. I think we hide um, maybe potential beliefs or we hide uh, sometimes political crap because we think our church teaches one thing or is opposed to something. And then if we bring it out into the open, then um, then all of a sudden I'm not a good Catholic or I can't be Catholic because I believe A, B, and C. You see what I'm saying? You see where all this is going? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. So do you, what, So you're saying at this time he was able to come out and talk about it because it wasn't a classroom setting anymore? I think that's what it is. Or maybe it was the abstraction of all this stuff. You know, this technology being, um, you know, it's not a, it's not as intimidating as an in-your-face conversation is or can be. Right. You know, it's like I, uh, Twitter muscles. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's easy for me to term. tell this guy to F <laughs> off and he's a dumbass, but... Because I don't know him. But, right. you know, like and back in the day, you used to tell people stuff to their faces. Right. And so, and I don't know if it's our um, it's our weird niceness of the society now. Everybody has to be nice or that be kind thing that has clearly gone way out of proportion in some kind of weird way. Are you talking about the school one or like how Ellen says it? Oh, I didn't know Ellen says it. Uh, she says it like at the end of her... At our end of our show, like, oh, be kind to one another. Right. Well, what that, well, the be kind thing is obviously we should be kind to one another, but that doesn't mean we have to constantly agree with another person or shut up about it, right? Well, yeah, the other thing, too, is it's funny. Got to figure out how I want to say this. Is a lot of the people who preach tolerance and to be kind to people are the ones who are the least tolerant and kind to people that they may not agree with yeah yeah it's like i I preach tolerance unless you don't agree with me right and there's a lot of that where you have a different opinion so that way not only are you wrong you're now evil right and things like that so i i have no problem with the be kind because you should be kind to people but you know I do oh, yeah. have a problem with it as some v- veil of, oh, these are people who, sp- sp- you know, spew hate. And right. and just because it's different doesn't mean it. And then the problem is because other people who are hateful align with you on certain things, then now you're a hateful person. All right. So, like right, when exactly. we were talking before about uh, wanting to hide that you're Christian or something because of the way people treat you. And I don't see it as much like we were talking about uh, with the student and on the uh, Anaheim trip. You know, I don't I never really felt it as like, oh, you're Catholic. You're you're this. It's usually right. a Christian at all. And it's right, because exactly. there are the Christians who are like very anti-gay or anti-this or very hateful of people or the the earth was is flat and yeah six thousand years old yeah or yeah if that yeah exactly and then they do that and then they're like oh well so catholic equals christian equals the uh what's it called okay what was that baptist church westboro westboro baptist church so you know when the uh the gay kid dies, they have to protest the funeral. You right. know, and it's like, okay, it's very unchristian. 
Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I hate being lumped in like that. And then so if you have, you know, any thoughts that way, you're always lumped in that way. So I don't know. Yeah. Because people don't know how to make nuance isn't a thing anymore. And it's all it's all heroes versus villains, and my side, whatever that is, is the, is hero. the hero, and the other side, whatever that isn't, is the villain. Right, and that's the problem, uh, too, because the other side oh, yeah. is not the other side, where it's like, oh, yeah, we just disagree on certain things. It's now they're evil. Right, right. You know? Yeah, that's 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 the part of this whole COVID thing that's uh, that really upsets me, is the politicizing of it all. And each side making trying to make the other side seem stupid or seem uh, unreasonable or uh, seem like they are out like the other side, whatever that happens to be, is out to get us in some kind of way. You know, um, that's oh. it's it's a problem. It, it is because it's a lot of that stuff where it's like like just even like that one medicine they were talking about, which could help people. But because the president said he liked it, then everybody who hated the president automatically says, don't even touch that stuff. It's going to be the worst thing in the world for you, even if it works. Now, I'm not saying it does or doesn't, but because he is in agreement with something, then all of a sudden half the country has to immediately hate it, you know, and that's and then. There's the other half where, you know, they'll be like, oh, then the drug companies will be like, well, now we hate it because this is a cheap medicine that's already there. And well, we can't make any money off of it. So then you have another side of people who don't like it. So it's you get both ends of that stuff. But I just don't like because everything seems so polarizing where right. it's like if you if you dare say you hope people can get back to work. And there should be ways to open up the economy, even in steps and safely. Everybody's going to brand you as this person who just wants to open up the floodgates and and infect everybody and not caring right. of human life and only caring about the dollar. Where we have so yeah. many people who are out of work, especially in Vegas, three quarters of the town is out of work, you know, yeah. and most of them yeah. are not getting paid and stuff like that. And that's going to be detrimental to a lot of people's health in the long run anyway, you know, but then I don't, if I can't say I want the economy open because then I'm all of a sudden this terrible person who doesn't care about people's health. Right. And it has to be, and it has to be either or, and there can't be rational arguments on both sides. Yeah. It's either everybody has to lock down and nobody share their face outside or the floodgates are open. So there, there's, right. it, that's just the way it seems. It's very politicized, political, politicalized. So there's no middle of the road where right. you can open up things safely. You can have a restaurant work if you fill up one third of the tables or something. It's social distancing and stuff. But right. you can open up a bookstore or something like that or the tailor or the dry cleaner and just follow the social distancing rules because it's such hypocrisy right now the fact that the day they say hey we're going to shut down all the casinos hotels and everything and every store that we consider non-essential and now 
But it's okay if you go 5,000 people to a Costco with no social distancing. Because at the time, they didn't enforce those things. So now you have hundreds of thousands of people all at grocery stores and Costco's and Target's and Walmart's all on top of each other. But God forbid I went to... You know, a restaurant. haircut. Or a haircut. Yeah, <laughs> a haircut. If this was a video podcast, you would see that. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then later they moved it. Now a lot of stuff is different. Like, you know, there's plexiglass right. at the gas station if you go in there. And, you know, every grocery store has all the little spots where you have to stand because they're farther apart in line. And, and you yeah. know, that kind of stuff. But. But you can't do that at other stores or things like that. So I don't know why it's okay to go to Target because it has food and you can buy a pair of shorts there, but you can't go to Ross. Right. You know, I don't know. It's just that's the thing that I hate. And people are losing jobs because of it. Right. But it's that it's that whole it's that whole whether or not it's a it's a need versus want. And, you know. Ross probably doesn't have anything that you need right now. Oh, yeah, but there's a lot of wants that are still open. Or parts of wants. Right, because Walmart is technically... That still let you want, but then they also try to stop you from other places like other states. So, like, you can go to Target. It's fine. But do you want to buy paint or um, mulch or something? Oh, maybe I don't know if they sell that there, but, you know, but you can't buy it there. Because we're gonna not gonna let you. But yeah, but I was gonna paint my backyard, which is very social dis. Paint my backyard. Right. <laughs> I was paint in my you backyard. Paint your backyard, <laughs> you know, which is very social distancy, and it gives me something to do while I'm gone. And I'm already at a store that sells food that's open, and I'm already buying stuff here. I didn't come here just for paint. But yeah, Home Depot right. and Lowe's are open. Why are they open? That's right. I don't know. Don't they have like some kind? It isn't. A, I assume that you know something breaks at your house, like you know a washing machine or I know an air that's, conditioner. Yeah. But see, that's <laughs> Plumbing, my whole point. Yeah. Oh, I didn't want to go right. on too much of a rant. Nah, no, nah, we we rant. That's what yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's just a thing, and I hate the fact that you're looked bad upon if you think that people need to make money and work. And most of the people who are saying that, I guess, are getting money because right. I know when pro, the you know. Well, they had all those protesters out there that just didn't help right. because it's good to protest the fact that the economy, that, that, that you have to, you're forced to being locked down. But when you're all in a big group with no mask, it doesn't really help. Exactly. If you all yeah, stood doesn't... six feet apart with masks and stuff, it's good to protest and then and say, Hey, look, we can handle this. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like, Hey, yeah. Right. So those people really, they really told, no, made it worse. And, but <sighs> That's part of that that lack of trust in society too, and so we can't have a good healthy conflict, and that that and that ends up becoming my problem with the be kind movement. Not that we shouldn't be kind; we obviously should. We kind of strayed from that. But what's that? We kind of strayed from that. Yeah, no, but it's but it, it leads right into that, right? So now we have because because it's either it's either um, be kind has become this thing like. Uh, live and let live type thing like you just shut up about whatever anybody else believes or don't be kind and then you do these radical that person's evil I'm the hero type crap right that we're getting in the in the then there's no in between like there's no such thing as being kind and disagreeing but out loud like you know you know sharing a disagreement with another person 
and still being being kind with that person. Right. You know, that's like, where true tolerance is. Right. And that's people say it, there's tolerance. They're very tolerant, but they're tolerant of things they believe in. If you're tolerant right. of something you believe in, then you're not being tolerant. You're just Mm-hmm. believing in the same thing being tolerant is doing something that you don't like if you like potatoes and i like potatoes <laughs> call the whole thing up no but that's the point is <laughs> if you if you like potatoes i like tomatoes and i hate the potatoes but i have to say you know what david it's cool that you like potatoes i don't like them but you like them so you should right. eat them, and I'll eat the tomatoes. And I love you for you, and I'm tolerant of your potato loving it. But so, but if the fact is, I do like potatoes. So if you like potatoes, I'm like, I am very tolerant of your potato loving self. Right. Because I love mashed potatoes, and I'll eat them all the time. And boy, do I love them. So you have every right to love tomato potatoes. But... If you like asparagus, I'll turn on you in a heartbeat, and you're not allowed to love it, but I'm so tolerant of it, of potato lovers. Or if you want, or if you want to be nice or kind or whatever, then you'll be like, oh, um, I think, I think asparagus or tomatoes are going, are all, are all demons and going to hell. Um, but, oh, you like, you like uh, asparagus and tomatoes? Then we just won't talk about that. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll only talk about potatoes because we have that in common. Right. You know, we won't talk about the other stuff. We'll just, we're just going to ignore any of that or, you know, just, you know, be really nice to you at a party. And we just want and, and then whenever I'm driving home in my car, can you believe the tomatoes that they had at that party? You, you see? Like, oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and that's and that's the thing. But I mean, at least that's I guess that's a little too facey. But the thing that's yeah. better is the <laughs> fact that you if we both agreed on potatoes, but not the asparagus. I can easily go, hey, David, how about that potato farm video? Because we're going to talk about that. And then you're, lo- and then we will, I will avoid asparagus with all my heart. But if it's unlike a lot of people today where it's like, oh, did you know David likes asparagus? And I'm like, canceled. Right. I'll never talk to but him he- again because he's an asparagus-loving bastard. Yeah, but he likes <laughs> potatoes too. Who cares? He likes asparagus because but, he voted for asparagus. I can't even talk to him. Right, but in a in a, in a healthy, trusting relationship that uh, is valuable, I should be able to say to you, say like, "Hey, Neil, I know that you don't like asparagus, and I love asparagus. Do you have reasons? Like, can you tell me why you hate asparagus?" Oh yeah, but I'm I'm yeah. I'm only going halfway because what I'm pointing out is you are totally right on that. That you should have yeah. civil discussions that we both like each other. We still do. Right. And we both tolerate the fact that one likes asparagus and one does not. And we could and then maybe we have to agree to disagree. Yeah. But but, but an open discussion it. is great. That is the ideal situation. Right. What I and was pointing what, what I was pointing out is the <laughs> middle way where we just try to avoid the things Avoidance. we don't like. But then there's the right. third way, which I think is even most common than the other two, is I find out you don't like asper you like asparagus, and now I've cut you out of my life because you're a jerk. But are you right. a jerk, now, or do I just say that because you like asparagus? Now take all of this, this tomatoes, asparagus, potatoes, and put it into our relationship with God. Right, so now God likes likes potatoes, and we like potatoes, and we're like, 
like, oh yeah, this is cool. You know, God exists and, and this is all great. And then we have this inkling that God might like asparagus and we're like, oh crap, I hate asparagus. So I'm not going to, you know, uh, I, or, or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe God doesn't like asparagus and we're like, I love asparagus. And so we're like, all right, so I'm just not going to, um, I'm not going to bring that aspect of my life. To Sundays. To Sundays. And when you see I what I'm eat saying? my asparagus, I got to go to confession. Or I'm not even going to mention it in confession because if I told the priest about my asparagus. And you know all my dirty asparagus secrets. And, yes. And hope that I'm, they're not around me when I pee. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Like. This this blew my mind whenever I put this together. Yeah, you totally like, had me going way too far down the rabbit hole. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, listeners. No, that's no, but I'm saying like going down that rabbit hole was necessary because we see the problem in our own interpersonal stuff, and then it, then you take that all into our relationship with God, and and we're like, holy crap! Like I do have these things that. I won't bring to confession or um, that, you know, because I don't have this trust that um, that that God actually will have mercy or that God will actually love me or I don't understand um, this aspect of my faith or whatever it happens to be, whatever the problem happens to be. You see you you see what I'm saying? And so we won't we avoid, you know, we avoid this conflict. Yeah, I avoid I have my sins. And I avoid them in those situations. Right. And I would say that, like what you're talking about before, when there's like uh, more of the thing where it's like, oh, yeah, there's the things that we don't want to deal with or don't agree with. I think a lot of maybe more my thing would be like, yeah, I don't agree with the fact that that's bad because I kind of like doing it. Right. So I'm going to try not to do it, but I might still do it. And that's when you're, you know, and then I try to hide that or try to stamp it down myself. But that's with everybody in their sins. Of course. That's everything. But it becomes, but it becomes a problem whenever you're like, all right, so um, there's this, there's this thing that's, that the church says is bad. Um, that I don't that I don't think it's bad, so I'm going to keep doing it, um, and and I'm not ever going to bring that into discussion with God Himself. Yeah. So, so God, 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 and I we're going to avoid this topic, uh, whatever it happens to be. Like how I avoid talking um, about it with you or a priest or our friends. I'm avoiding exactly. it with God. Exactly. Um, and. And, it, it, and I think, I think this weird time of um, bringing God into the home in a way that's like unprecedented in our modern culture. Like, you know, how, how many times have you watched Mass inside your house before this? Right? Yeah. Oh, Good Fridays. <laughs> Good Friday. Because go. I will tell there you, go. as you have given me crap about, I love Holy Thursday. <laughs> yeah. And I love going to Mass on Holy Thursday. But boy, you won't see me at Mass on Easter Vigil. <laughs> you will never see me there. Yeah. And now watching it on TV, yeah, I'm almost definite I'm not going. <laughs> but I mean, I know that's that's one that's that's somebody's thing, you know. Right. Like GB likes it. 
Right. I, you know, and then we're watching and I'm like, oh man, I've been to like, I've been to like one and a half Easter vigils before that. Oh, and, and when I was baptized. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> right. I was baptized at Easter vigil. But. Were you really? Yeah. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. As a, as a little kid? Or, no, as a baby. Um, as a baby? Oh, that's Yeah, awesome. it was, um, whatever it's. Yeah, so the April fifteenth, I think, of seventy nine or fourteenth, wow. is yeah, something like that was uh, Easter. So I was baptized on Easter Sunday, or the or sorry, Easter Vigil. Easter Vigil. That's and awesome. And I was also baptized at a, a chapel, at a retreat center for the Salesian Brothers or something. So this isn't two different baptisms. It's just the it's one. Just one baptism. It okay. just happened to be. Sorry, it happened to also be at. Yes, I I, I did read the I creed. I was also baptized. I was also baptized at this. Sorry, at this Westboro Baptist Church. Sorry, I should say. In addition to being Easter Vigil, it was at. Uh, you know, a it was it was at a Salesian Chapel or something. So when we were getting married. I'm like, oh, I don't know where my baptismal certificate is. Is it at St. Joseph's where the, the the chapel is? Is it at St. Anthony's in, um, where is that? Is it Rosemead or, or St. Gabriel? Is it in St. Anthony's, the one that's kind of sort of affiliated? Or is it at All Souls Parish, the one my parents were registered at? So I, I ended up calling the the St. Joseph's and talking to them about stuff. And they're like, yep, that's why we don't do baptisms anymore. Because <laughs> nobody knows where to record that. And I was like, yeah, well, this was kind of like 35 years ago. And they're like, yeah. yeah, we understand. And my sister was baptized there, too. So if she ever gets married in the church, I'll have to tell her about that. But I found out it was at a... At All Souls, and what's funny is they're like, hey, uh, to help us locate your your certificate, do you know what day you were baptized? And I went, uh, Google Easter search, Vigil. Easter, 1979. <laughs> uh, the day before that, they're like, yeah, that's it. It's right here. <laughs> that's awesome. So, okay, sorry. We, that's really we cool. We did straight. But yeah, so in a sense, what, what I've done is on a lot of Good Fridays, I would usually take either the day off or a half a day of work. I'd go to St. Peter's and watch their living stations or their passion play. And which is usually around noon. And if I didn't have to be involved in it, if Anthony didn't trick me to do stuff and then I'd go home with, you know, Lisa and stuff. And I'd put on like the, the EWT, TW, whatever the Catholic channel on cable. EWTN. Yeah. And, and watch Good Friday services on TV from nice. either like the Vatican or from most. I know I think it was mostly like the uh, the Shrine of uh, the Immaculate Conception or something in DC. They'll show that, and then we'd watch that, and it's like ah, it's close enough to going to church. <laughs> and then I'd leave that and go to St. Francis with you to get ready for living stations that we're doing. Yes. So. Yeah, because how many of these uh, Good Fridays did I have to step out early because of living stations? Yeah, so I just haven't gone. Yeah. But, 
but I will be like, I gotta try and go and watch a little on TV. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, and so right now it's like, you know, the other day I wanted to post on Facebook, like, watching Mass, dot, 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 again. Sad face. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's, it is interesting um, that now in this weird scenario that, that we are watching Mass at home and God is being brought – like like our um, – we had – on Sunday's Mass, we had 6,500 views on last Sunday. That's more than Easter. At Easter, we only had 5,000 views for our live stream. Really? We had that many more? Yes. That's like 1,500 views. I know. I don't know where that's coming oh, from or what's happening. Oh, they knew it was happening. Father Vic's homily. <laughs> that's what Father John said. He got so upset. <laughs> I always, Here's the thing. I want to tread lightly with that because I hope he doesn't feel bad. Because I, like, I used to joke with him and be like, oh, man, I stayed awake for it this time or something like that, you know. <laughs> Or I'll be like, oh, Robert actually was behaved during Father Vic's homily. I don't know what's wrong with yours. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. But Or I'll be like, you know who's my favorite is Father Vic. He's so great. You know, just busted his chops because I know he'll bust right, my right. chops at the drop of a hat. Of course. But yeah. I also don't want to make him think that I'm unappreciative of all the awesome things he does for me. I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So there is that there is that fine fine line of okay how much is this going to like be be him and I joking versus me actually hurting his feelings and taking him for granted yeah because he's had good <laughs> homily great homilies during this oh, whole yeah. COVID thing you know dealing with that and everything and even after like you know like what was it it was the week that my dad died and he yeah. he was hammering on about people who've died in the community and we didn't even really have any covid deaths at the time or anything in town if so there were very few so i was like oh wow that was kind of like him remembering that about yeah. me and he was there for me on that but i was kind of happy that you know there was like three or four weeks where it felt like, well, it's only the Father John show. Where are all these yeah. other priests? <laughs> and now they've been showing up. And, and and then he actually let Father Father Vic do homily. And I was like, oh, good. And I almost wanted to write like, oh, awesome. Best homily I've heard <laughs> since I've been watching TV. But I didn't want him to be like, what a jerk. <laughs> He would have been so upset. He's, his emotions are all over the place. Obviously, like all our priests' emotions are all over the place right oh, now yeah. for all this stuff. <laughs> but so, yeah, yeah, that that would not be good. Just all good things. Pray for our priests. Yeah. <laughs> Bring us back into topic. Yeah, I know. Because we do tangents. <laughs> Forty-five minutes of this episode is Neil rambling. That's the That's problem. Okay. We gotta Rambling's stop drinking good. on this podcast. No, no, we don't. We need to always drink on this podcast because. That's that's where theology starts to come from. Yeah, I Jesus more <laughs> when I'm drunk. So says David. Yeah, yeah that is that is probably true. Um, anyway, uh, so God is now more present in the home, and um, in in ways that He hasn't been right. Like so, He's very prominent. Like people were taking pictures of them, uh, you know, their families uh, watching TV, uh, watching the mass at TV. Um, and so God is like here, like we had a bunch of people, uh, signed up and start actually using the formed account that we bought for everyone. <laughs> and, and so God is actually being incorporated into the home. This is naturally going to lead to conflict. 
uh, and, and they're going to come across something that um, that either they dis- they they disagree with, or that um, that they've kind of never known before, or uh, that they just don't um, that doesn't drive well. And if we don't have that foundation of trust with God, what are we going to do with that conflict? Are we going to are we going to embrace the conflict and wrestle with God in that moment? Uh, and then from that come to some resolution with God or or come to some like, you know, God, this is this is a struggle in my life, but I'm going to trust you um, even though I don't understand it, even though I don't necessarily agree with it. Uh, but I'm just going to follow and pray that you can help me understand this in some kind of way uh, further down the road or whatever. Um, and that because that that type of conflict will lead to an actual commitment. And I think this is why we have. um you know, like what? What do they say? Like, you know, normally the rule of any organization is twenty percent of the people do eighty percent of the work. But then, statistically, if you look at volunteers versus um, uh, volunteers and staff versus actual people uh, registered on books at a parish, that that number is not twenty percent of the people do eighty uh, percent of the uh, um, the work at the at the parish, like ministries and stuff like that. It's seven percent. Oh, I was gonna say five. Yeah, pretty darn close. Yeah, it's seven percent of the people um, in it. Exactly, uh, you know they run they run basically everything, uh, um, and and that's I think because that seven percent, those are the ones who had the trust, had some kind of conflict, and then that moved them in commitment to their faith. Or those seven percent of people are. Um, now, obviously, not all of them would would fall in this category, but are just kind of that volunteerism, that idea that I have to do something, right? Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but that that only has to be a certain percentage of that seven percent. That other seven percent would have, or that other percentage in that in that category would have to have had some have a level of trust with God, conflict, uh, and then come to a commitment uh, to God in some kind of way um, that they're actually trying to live out. Uh, and I think that that this is an interesting time if we can build that trust with God and learn to lean on that trust with God when these conflicts come, that it actually could breed real disciples and, and kind of change the church a bit and kind of um, increase, I don't, I don't necessarily care about the volunteering piece of it, but I do. the commitment. Uh, yeah, yeah, you do, because I make you do a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> but increase the commitment level to to God Himself, you know, like just like any relationship, like uh, that that conflict and coming to peace in that conflict and those conflicts brings in a deeper sense of commitment to that relationship. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if that's uh, uh, so yeah, this is just all stuff that's kind of floating in my head through all of this stuff, and I don't know if it's just me going through it. Or if if uh, if this is actually is an opportunity for conflict in people's personal uh, relationship with God. Oh, it totally could. I I can't. I don't want to say I can't agree with you, but I mean, personally, I'm not at that point where I'm having a conflict or anything like that. But I could see on how it could be. And now when you're talking about the student, you know being right. more open to things maybe it is and like you're saying if we're getting 6500 views of mass on TV 
Because, I mean, right. I, I'm the kind of guy who's like, oh, the bishop says I don't have to go to church? No, wait. Right. The, bi- the next week, the bishop says, don't go to church? Well, shh. <laughs> don't have to tell me twice. Right. And then I always thought yeah. the biggest irony right now is the fact that it's like, oh, I can't go to church even if I wanted to. And then there's no football on. Ah, oh, what kind of Twilight Zone do we live in? <laughs> like the right. whole time there was the quarantine was right around when March Madness is. And it's like, how many people try to get out of work? Now nobody's allowed to go to work. And now they can't watch the March Madness. Why? <laughs> which they usually ditched to work to go to do. But that aside, it's like, yes, I, I am the type of person to be that way. Like, oh, I don't have to go to church. I don't know. That's nice. And Lisa's like, we're watching church. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right. I should. And, you know, and we've been right. watching it. And then, you know, Robert wants to watch cartoons or something or whatever. What's the Paw Patrol? And I'm like, no, we got to watch church. So. You gotta watch with us or go play outside. <laughs> cause yeah, and that's that's how it's been for us too. Cause like Joel's been really into it. Cause Joel loves church. Well, Isaac hates church. <laughs> uh, and I love Isaac. So <laughs> I think he hates church on TV. He hates church in real life. <laughs> he just doesn't. It's just not his thing. There's so many times, um, I just wish I could hear what he's saying in his head. Just be like, F this crap. I know. He's going to have words one day, and then I'm going to wish he didn't. Yeah, exactly. Once he starts talking, you're going to be like, ah. Oh, no. Those were were a good few years there. Yeah. And then and Gemma, she she adores Joel, so anything that Joel's into, she's into. So, like, if you see our pictures of our family at Mass, it's it's, uh, always – Joel and Gemma watching the TV, and then Isaac is nowhere to be seen. <laughs> and if you could see what was going on behind us, he probably was laying on the couch with a blanket over his face. In protest. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to be here because I love you guys, but I'm not going to participate in any of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's... Uh, and I think what you were saying about the without the sports and the other things to do... Um, it's almost as if God set up this perfect storm of like, all right, I'm going to, so you're, you're used to this obligation that kept you coming to see me. You're used to this sacrament where you believed that I was present. I'm going to take all that away and, oh yeah, you're not going to be allowed to fill it with the idolatry of sports. And so where is your, where is your idolatry? Where is your, your, your commitment to me? Where is your, where's your false God now? Yeah. Yeah. Where's your false God? Where's your faith? Where is, where do we stand? You and me, God and God and Neil, God and David, where are we? Um, and and I think that's, that's a a real opportunity for all of us to wrestle. (coughs) And I've been like, well, you know, it's funny too, because I talked to my aunt, um, couple weeks ago and she's she's pretty convinced that all this stuff is there by god's will to make us closer to either family or him through these things like you're saying on if 6500 people are watching our mass on tv Right. I mean, you got to cancel that. Don't, I mean, those are views. You know, those aren't even people. Those are families. 
You know, yes. how many families are registered in our parish? 8,500. So, how many families do you think go to Mass regularly? Regularly about, about five and a half, six thousand. 6,000. Wow, I was a little week. surprised that it would be that high. Yeah, yeah, we have almost 900 in Mass. Oh, okay, well, never mind. Okay, scrub this from the podcast. No, but... But that's 900, including including kids and stuff like that. But you see, this is 6,500 views. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm so, counting that as families. Right, so one view... So, no, no, uh, are you saying like 5,000 people? People at Mass. Right, I, that's how I'm many talking about families. You know, when they... Right, at, at families, there's no way to count that at Mass. No, 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 I'm um, just asking you yeah, what you think. Oh, I have no oh, idea. You suck at this, but David. But if, if we're looking Come at on. if we're looking at sixty five hundred views and if roughly a family of four, that's twenty six thousand people. Right. So what I'm trying to point out is how many people go to mass roughly, and are we yeah, getting saying. that many more people or that many that usually do? Or because I would feel like there's my grandma yelling in the back of my head to go to church. But now right. that I'm not going to church, I'm not going to watch it on TV. So am I going to not go? But now all of a sudden, are there more people going or, you yeah. know, watching? That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's like. That's what it is. It's like five times more. Okay. See, that's, <laughs> those, those are the numbers I'm trying to crack on you, David. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You're supposed to be helping me. <laughs> sorry, I wasn't following the okay, train. The point what I'm trying to say is if we have 6,500 views, you count that up as families. And if we usually have 8,000 something families registered well that's registered right. how many registered people are going to mass is it like 40 percent, or is it like 20 percent, or is it 90 percent? it's probably more like yeah. 40 yeah let me do the math real quick here I'll you know what i mean exactly. so yeah you got all these people who are registered in our parish that don't go to church but are they now going to church and i mean and then also there's people who don't go to our church who might have just said hey i'm gonna pop on to see this one because now Lisa and I keep going, oh, out of all the times we want to see what other churches are like, this is the time to do it. And then we still watch our church that we go to all the time. So, like, I haven't watched any Archbishop Gomez. I haven't even done stuff like, hey, let's see what St. Francis de Sales on the west side of town's like. We yeah. don't watch any of that. Nope. Even Father Jose is like, hey, you should watch my homily from... From the other day at St. Elizabeth's. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll watch it. I didn't watch it yet. Look them up. Yeah. If you're in the I did Vegas the math area. for you really quickly. Okay. At, at our numbers of attendance for Mass, we're looking at between 15 and 20% of registered people attending Mass weekly. Really? Yeah. And the, how many people per family are you use it for? I, yeah, roughly four. 4.5. <laughs> that half a kid so, stuff. If, if I do... Right, but even if I, if I do that for if I did four for the eighty five hundred, and then I do four for the sixty five hundred views or whatever, you know, at sixty five hundred views, you're looking at twenty six thousand people, you know, and that's 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 a lot. That's five times more people attending mass than than normal. Oh, because how um, many do we usually get? You're saying nine hundred a mass, roughly. Nine hundred mass, so, so that's about five thousand six thousand people. Five, six. We have six masses, yeah. That's a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. So we're looking. Yeah, yeah, that's that's five times more than what we're normally getting at mass. Well, maybe this is so, like my aunt was saying. She says it's like so good for those things, and you know yeah. how people are 
you know, and you hear the horror stories on how the domestic violence is up and, and everybody jokes about on how everybody's going to get divorced because they're stuck with their spouses all day and stuff. Right. But there's, you know, a lot of that's true, but some of that stuff or some of the things that we got to realize, it's like you're getting this family time that you wouldn't have had. Or, right. you know, like I'm not as much so much, you know, still having to work and stuff, but other people are, and that's just a big deal for them. And like, I know Lisa loves being with the kids more because yeah. <clears throat> she's only away from the kids for a couple hours a day doing her meetings online, but the rest of the time she's with them, you know? And then like you're saying, for some reason it's drawing people to go to church. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, yeah, there's got to be droves. all these other things that are like, hey, now I'm going to make. And then what happens when everything's over? Are we finding new appreciation for things? Are we going to sit there and say, I'm going to take that vacation I've been putting off forever and ever and ever because I wasn't allowed to leave the house or I wasn't allowed to travel. You know, right. now I'm going to do this. You know, now am I going to do that? Now am I going to see that friend that I always say I'm never going to see? I, I, I always want to do it. Or, you know, right. even even these things that have, you know, that aren't churchy subjects or something. Are we going to be doing these things because the fact that we weren't allowed to? How many more people are going to go to church now because we weren't allowed to? Because think about right. this human condition. Yeah. You know, as a kid, you're told, oh, you're not allowed to watch Married with Children. This is a dated reference. <laughs> you know, because it's a little bit inappropriate for a 10-year-old Neil. Okay, well, God, do I really want to watch it. I didn't care about it before until I was told that I'm not allowed to watch it. Now I'll do anything to watch it. You know, all that forbidden fruit stuff. Adam and Eve wouldn't have right. eaten that if they didn't were told not to. Right. Yeah, and then... This, and then uh, Couple that with the familiarity breeds contempt piece of it all, like you you don't uh, um, oh, yeah. you don't know it's valuable until it's gone. Oh yeah, that's yeah exactly. Yeah, and then now that it's now that it's gone, and or even the um, you think about the family who or maybe like my family who has a kid with special needs, and they're like, I can't take my kid with special needs to church, and I'll come. Well, nobody else can either. Well, you know now now church is online. And I can I can take my kid with special needs to my couch, you know. Maybe it, it, maybe this is or or maybe I've been um, I, I my mom used to take me to church when I was a kid, and now she's complaining about how she can't go to church before and it, it shut down. And I saw on her Facebook that uh, the church is having a live stream. Oh well, I haven't been to church in like eighteen years or whatever, and so you know. But I'm gonna put it on because this is the church that my mom goes to, and she's going to church, you know, live uh, stream. Uh, yeah, she's watching. church. Yeah, and yeah. so she's watching church, and maybe I'll maybe I'll just watch with her or whatever, you know. And then they put on the live stream. Um, how much of that is happening, and how much of uh, you know, it's just it, it it's just really interesting, um, what's going on here. Um, and I'm curious to see, you know, obviously like. Obviously, this this situation is not all, you know, good things. There's there's horrible things going on. Oh right yeah, now. just the um, just the death, the 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 illness, the economy. The econ oh goodness, the economy. Yeah, the economy's gonna be terrible. There's no crucifixion that doesn't come with resurrection, right? right? That's that's how God works, right? So God's in the in the in the business of resurrection. God's in the business of revealing and healing. Um, 
and that's that's going again full circle to this whole trust and conflict thing. Conflicts are being revealed uh, right now, I think, in a lot of homes. Um, whether a conflict with their own spouse, conflict in relationship with their kids, kids. conflict in their beliefs with with God, um, and now there's the opportunity of healing. You know, is is do we trust God to be able to heal this conflict? Do we trust God uh, to to help us work through this conflict with our with our kids, with our with our spouses, with Himself? Um, do we trust in the mercy that's available to us? Uh, you know, this is, this is it. Like, like this is, this is, this is the, uh, this is the gym, the holy gym of where we're going to exercise these muscles and, and see if they, see if they grow into something. See, I said muscles earlier. Yeah, you did. Yeah. I brought it back in. That's what we call a callback. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please give us some feedback on our Facebook page. Yeah, and also give us some stars on uh, on the Apple podcast so they can rate us a little Yes, higher. exactly, because I don't think we have enough stars. No. We have two. St- but all the people who rated us gave us five stars, so keep yes, doing that. Yes, because I think we have five <laughs> reviews and five stars. So Six reviews and awesome. five stars, yeah. Yes. Or six ratings. Ratings and one review. One review. We yeah, need more that's... reviews. And also, have we ever gotten any feedback? Uh, other than that one rating or review. No, that other than that one review, no. We have any. international listeners, and we need some reviews. I need to know what we're doing <laughs> wrong or right or what. Oh, yeah. So contact us via Facebook, or we don't really have an e- email yet, do we? No, they got to they got to DM us on Facebook or Instagram. That's that's all Dang. we got right now. Okay, if we do get an email, you'll know. Slide into our DMs. Slide you know in. Slide, slide <laughs> in. Slide on. Oh, in we there. are going into jail for that. But um, <laughs> hit us in the the DMs. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Um, if if you're Alicia, I know you don't like our banter, but um, tell us those things. I I'd love to know. If you liked our commentary from Anaheim, and I love to know on how it was for you guys to listen to stuff from late February during the whole COVID thing, and be like, "Haha, look at these guys going to a Mexican restaurant." (laughs) I know. Don't you miss Mexican restaurants? Don't you miss chips and salsa? Hit us up, DM us, talk to us, let us know how you like our Anaheim experience. Let us know if you like other stuff. We also have an awesome um, uh, movie po- and Disney-related podcast coming up. Well, not its own podcast, yeah, but we probably do. an episode. And um, what else? Uh, fireside.com.chat. Oh, forget that stuff. Just find us on Instagram or Facebook at Among Wolves Pod. Among Wolves Pod. So just just go into Instagram or Facebook, type in the search bar Among Wolves Pod, uh, Among Wolves Pod, and you'll find us there. And then you can slide into the DMs, and you know you want it's to. It's awesome. So do all that <laughs> stuff. Be you know you're part of the fold. Invite a friend. Tell them to be part of the fold. Yeah. All your other Catholic friends and stuff. All your non-Catholic friends. Tell them to listen. Yeah. Um, get your pastor to listen and tell him that it's awesome. Yeah. Have him slide into our DMs and we'll write his homily. Exactly. Points. I'll write it right now. <laughs> so 
gonna be short though. Yes. Seven minutes. Hear that priest? Seven minutes. Seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs>